Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. SecondCityHockey.com Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. another episode of musings on madison here on the second city hockey podcast network i'm your host dave melton the site manager for second city hockey and i'm coming to you on the precipice of what is probably going to well hopefully will be a very quiet month of hockey things maybe month and a half uh before training camp opens up but we've got the usual crew assembled this evening want to do one more quick episode kind of tie up all the loose ends from free agency madness from the last uh, week to two weeks and uh, put a bow on all that and then look ahead to a summer where Probably not much is going to happen. Uh, so before I get too far away from all that, I want to bring in the usual cast of characters who are all with me this evening. First off, it is the analytic styling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi, the hockey world's about to be as dead as I feel at 10 o'clock p.m. I'm 26 years old and I feel dead at 10 o'clock p.m. Can we, can can we, what is happening? I'm, I'm, I don't know I'm what's happening to you, Shepard. I mean, he's Chandler Bing. <laughs> Telling, like I get up at six thirty, and I'm I'm an adult, and I don't like this. You're like they get in, they get stop. You're in the media world, like you're supposed to be a night owl. I know, I, except I have a day job in media. Yeah, well, how do you watch Vegas then? They they play on the West, not that, Pacific time zone, right? But still, that, that is a that, that is they a, play hurdle, a lot of games. I will say yes. Yeah. I guess that's a hurdle I will face when it when I come to it. Uh, All right. Well, uh, good yeah. luck with that. I guess when any teams go to the West Coast, we'll make sure you don't recap them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will be asleep by the second period. <laughs> uh, old man Shepherd. I you know that makes me feel because I, I I as as I am significantly older than you. I I'm understanding more and more. And more. It's really just a mindset thing. Like Shepherd, I was out till four a.m. Friday night. Come on, dude. 
They're so I, lucky you got to that Jimmy World set. Yeah. Oh, it was wonderful. Jealous. Yeah. Jealous. I, I, I'm not going out anytime soon because, again, St. Louis, mask mandate. Yeah. Oh, well, you can, you can still wear a mask and go outside. Oh, anyway, uh, let's bring in the rest of the crew before we get too far away. You just heard his voice a little bit. He is the second city hockey. Ah, he is the second city hockey. What Dexter Holland is to the offspring, it is Mil Savage. Pretty fly for a white guy, also. Um, I have no opening monologue. Boycott the Ricketts. I yeah I uh, I co-sign all of that, um, and then also with us this evening, she is Second City Hockey's Boolean Wall of Text. It is Betsy. Um, if I'm not as like super excited this week during the podcast, and AKA that means I won't be as verbose. Um, it's because I'm getting over a tummy issue, and I need more sleep. I'm so like <laughs> we're gonna call that an upper body injury. Uh, she was a game time decision. Pretty much every day this week. Uh, we hope she's going to play through it, but we might have to send her to the room before the third period's over. It's true. <laughs> hey, what, if, what if thick LBR pronounces all the Russian names not like right off the bat correctly? <laughs> it's like LBR in reverse. I'm usually okay with Russian names. It's it's like names you wouldn't think I would have trouble with. That I'm just like I don't even. Why am I trying this? I just Swedish. use that as a, yeah, I, I don't know. They're all Russian to me. <laughs> Swedish. I have trouble with Swedish names a lot. French. Can't pronounce French anything. Fair enough. Put a lay in front of it. That's all. That's French. No. Lay <laughs> grill. As, as, a, as a French speaker, no. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> what the hell is lay grill? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, sorry. That's That's the mood I'm in right now. Well, I mean, we're we're gathered like as I said earlier. Like, there's not really too much to talk about, and hockey's pretty much going to be done for the next two months. Uh, Bob McKenzie's drinking Thank margaritas God. somewhere in the middle of nowhere, so uh, it's it's going to get sideways in a hurry tonight, folks. So hope you're hope you're all ready for it. Um, also, I I forgot to everyone uh, mention Twitter handles because Mill is at Mill One Eighty Two, Shepherd is at Shepherd Price, and I think I'm back on Twitter finally. I think I've found my way around the twitter banning algorithm again so uh it's at sch underscore dave m if anybody wants more mediocrity on their timeline that's where you can find me now and starting in about three weeks here i hope you like high school because you're going to get a lot of them um but go dogs <laughs> new coaches here mill but big, big things going for your guys I don't, I don't pay attention <laughs> so, so mill and actually i i actually want to ask the the panel about this and this is the reason actually i referenced the offspring when i introduced you to the panel but has anybody else watched the Woodstock documentary yet? Uh, yeah, I but I really, I really want to watch the Metallica. Let's see what they say about the Metallica set and the Lip Biscuit set because they're crazy. The Metallica set gets very little play uh, oh, because yes. everything had already gone haywire by that point. The uh, Limp Biscuit set gets a lot of publicity because I guess they pretty much tried to pin the whole thing on Fred Durst. Yeah. Which is entirely <laughs> wrong. But Dude, also, the Kid Rock set like ruined everything. Kid Rock started it. He, I think, it was the uh, the basis for Limbiscuit walked out with middle fingers in the air, which was indicative of the mood of the entire. I had no idea how crazy everything got on Sunday. It just turned into a mass, uh, like basically, um, just just mass chaos. Like everything got looted. They were breaking into ATMs. The one guy said, "I didn't drink any water until Sunday night because we stole it all," or something like that. Metallica set is amazing, though. Um, but that's all I got. 
So yeah, I I'll have to watch that soon. That's a that's a good call. Offspring set's good. The Metallica set's amazing. Shepard and Betsy, you guys were alive in '99, right? Yes. Okay, yes. just making sure. <laughs> as as I rest, we start talking about this. I'm like, I think I might have just aged myself a little bit because I, I vaguely remember it happening, and I, I don't remember that it was quite the shit show that it turned out to be. So, uh, so for all the kids out there, uh, if you need some entertainment on a, a random summer night here, watch that documentary. It's really good. Woodstock um, was like the first ever thing to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> they're like we're legitimately never doing this again it was probably a good idea like they tried to they tried to make a like a tribute to something that was 30 years ago like at a completely different time place and cultural position so yeah it's it's good though highly recommend 10 out of 10 um Word. so you guys want to talk about some hockey i mean we don't have too much to talk about but i guess we could try right yeah i so, mean always I try before- before Shepard and I hijack this and turn it into a pro wrestling podcast, we should get the hockey in. Well, yeah, I've said that. We've got about 10 minutes before that happens. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the main reason, the main thing we want to do tonight is kind of go player by player with some of the big names that the Blackhawks added in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, we talked a lot about the draft picks last week. We want to kind of go retroactively and talk about the new guys because I think, well, now that we know they're all going to be here, um, I think much of the success or failures of the next season is going to hinge on how a few of these guys do, especially the player that we're going to start with tonight, which is goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, who did confirm on Sunday via a video from a private jet tarmac somewhere that he is going to play for the Blackhawks this season because the reports were that he was contemplating retirement, which is understandable, but uh, he's going to be in Chicago. He's automatically the number one goalie. He won the Vezina Trophy last year, but we wanted to just kind of dive into a little bit more in depth about him. And uh, Shepard wrote a piece that I hit at our website, I believe on Monday or Tuesday, Monday. It was Monday. Sorry guys. Days of the week are all blurring together again. It's just like last April and May and June, all those days. But anyway, it it got a little bit more in depth. So Shepard, I was going to go to you first and just kind of, if you want to summarize that and add any other points about, things that the average Blackhawks fan may not know about Marc-Andre Fleury when they see him on the ice this year. Yeah. So his last season was really good. Like a nine, a 928 save percentage, uh, well above, well, well above goal saved above expected and good at good gar. One of the best goaltenders in the league. The year before that it was shaky. Uh, not great. 905 save percentage. Uh, there's a reason they traded the Golden Knights traded for Robin Leonard at the deadline, used him in the playoffs, and then signed him to and a five year extension. I want to pause you right there because somebody, one of our commenters pointed out something. Actually, I think this was somebody who came over from Knights on Ice and shared this with us. And this is something that I did not know about. But apparently in November 2019, so during that season that you just talked about, Shepard, uh, Mark Andres Fleury's father passed away to lung cancer. And yeah. by all reports, he and his father were very close. So that's where there may have been some sort of connection between those two. There may have been, for sure. Like, I don't think he was in the right proper headspace that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then COVID started hitting in February in well, in Mar- March, but yeah, yeah, for got some, here some places March. before then. Yeah, some well, it, it got here. It got here well before March. It, it, I may have it had it. Got, December, it shit got real in March. Let's let's yeah. Like that. <laughs> yes. So like that throws everybody uh, into a different headspace. So 
there might have been things about that. But again, he's 37 years old, almost 38. He we're, we're kind of in the same age range as we were expecting to be with Duncan Keith before he got traded. He'll be 37 in November. Yeah. I don't want to like age that, him that he's, he's, he's not young. No, he's Brent. He is, isn't he like Brent Seabrook's age? Wasn't he drafted in the same class as Brent? He was drafted. Yeah, in the same class oh, as Brent right. Seabrook. Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah. So that kind of paints a picture of how old Marc Andre Fleury is, which is why that nine hundred five season might also be a little bit worrying. Uh, mm-hmm. That that this Vezina season again, the first in his career, the first time he's been a finalist uh, for the Vezina, which is a GM voted award. Um, and you'd think like some of the. Pittsburgh GMs would have some pulling power. Um, it's, I wouldn't expect him to hit that mark again, but a, a, a career average season for him is like 9.15, and I'll take that. Yeah, even um, if, if he comes down from the ceiling of a Vezina Trophy winner, it's still a pretty damn good goalie. Yes, especially behind, again, and they didn't <laughs> – fix it that much arguably the worst defensive system in the league uh he was in vegas where he had where he had arguably inarguably way better defensemen shay theodore alec martinez alec alex petrangelo uh nate schmidt for years uh brayden mcnab is probably around the same level as Connor murphy uh lower i'd say but around the same level they do the same job um and that's their tough work and they're all Largely yep, better than right. any we, of the Blackhawks. Yeah, Vegas has better defense. Yes, <laughs> yes. So that's Thanks, that's, a, that's a that's a concern I have with Marc Andre Fleury coming to Chicago. The other the other thing is he is not Corey Crawford. Keep keep that in mind. He does not have the same positioning and knowledge of angles and like just again, you never saw Corey Crawford make that many flashy saves because he didn't have to. A lot of pucks on purpose hit him center center mass, and he just like stopped it. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury is going to make a lot of flashy saves and it's going to be fun, but like he's making those flashy saves because he's often, and certainly a lot more often caught out of position than uh, Corey Crawford is like, that's the thing to remember about athletic goaltenders like him and Jonathan quick is that those guys get kind of caught out of position sometimes because well, they I, don't have the same knowledge of angles. I feel like, like Dilly and Subban both kind of have that mold where they more of an athletic style. And the problem with those two is they would get caught swimming like way out of their crease Fleury yeah. is at least within the ballpark of able to come back and make this save. And that's something that I guess you have to learn over time at the NHL level. Maybe Dealey and Subban haven't figured that out and maybe they won't ever figure it out, but clearly Fleury has figured it out somewhat because he just won the Vezina trophy. So, yes. And he's also a very, just a forewarning. He's a very aggressive uh, stick handler. Like he will get out of his. Crease oh, to, to handle like, puck. I don't know. Game three in a uh, conference final. Series was that one? He gets aggressive. Yeah. Okay. Four flower. <laughs> uh, Betsy Mill, anything else to add on Mark Andre Fleury? I know Shepard took uh, most of the talking points there, but um, somebody once mentioned that Flower kind of uh, his his seasons go in like threes, like so it's like a kind of bad, like not ba- like bad, terrible, but you know, like nine oh five, nine oh six, nine oh nine. And then he does an average season and then he does a really good season. Um, so if he's doing, if he's in that rotation, we're hopefully getting an average season next year at the very least. So. I'll, I'll, I think an average Marc-Andre Fleury season is probably better than a average. I'll take it. Like, 
Colin Dealey's season or Kevin? Yeah, Lightning? and I'll go ahead and say so. One of the reasons I wanted them to keep Corey Crawford, I wanted to, I wanted him to sign for two years because I wanted somebody to like mentor Lankinen and help with that. And I think Mark Andre Fleury could definitely help in that regard. I think it's why they signed Cam Ward back in the day, even though he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a whole thing about that. The only issue is, of course, that like that you might we might run into is that Colleton ended up riding Lankinen maybe a little too much last year because he was doing so well for so long um and he didn't get as much rest. I don't want him to do the same thing to Flurry where he rides him and then tires him out because I think that might have been part of his issue towards the end in the playoffs with Vegas, you know, it was just a lot towards the end. So right. And He's also old. compacted sure. schedule, pandemic, all that, all those. Yeah, other exactly. Things. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I hope it's more, I hope it's closer to how like Corey Crawford and, um, oh my God, how am I blanking on the goaltender? Robin Leonard? No, his backup in 2013. Ray Emery. Anti Ronto. Yes. No. Point, Ray Emery. Yeah, Emery. So they split much more evenly, which is why they both got the Jennings. You know, some a lot of times the Jennings only goes to one goaltender because it's the it's like a certain limit they have to hit. Right. So they both got it um, because they split it so evenly. I would like it to be closer to that. Obviously, Flurry gets more, but make sure that Lincoln gets his playing time and maybe a little bit more than normal backup does. And I think that would be a really good tandem in. For the for the for the season, I feel like the most ideal scenario with this goaltending arrangement, assuming it's Flurry one and Lincoln in two, which I think we're all kind of just assuming at this point. Um, I think the most ideal scenario is that they both play very well, but then maybe second half of the season, Kevin Lankinen goes on a heater and actually wrestles the number one job away from Flurry and takes it for the rest of the season, and then Flurry leaves in free agency or retires or whatever. And then Lincoln is your number one guy next season. Like that would be the ideal, right? That'd be awesome. But I'm <laughs> fine with. So I know everybody is like the moves that they made seem like very like we want to try to hit it this season. I am not that optimistic, and so no. if if <laughs> <laughs> obviously we're not all that optimistic. So Flower being here and he goes the whole way, and this is more of a like learning to pace yourself, getting, um, uh, like up to better up to speed and not having to shoulder it all for Lincoln. I'm fine with that too. If he comes out the number one at the end of the season, awesome. If he's still the backup at the end of the season, but you can definitively go, you know, like he's a Soros to Rene, uh, Rene, then I think you've won something there too. To me. Yeah. Mill, anything else to add? Uh, well, you know, I agree with Betsy, like, and I think this is something we talked about on a bunch of podcasts early last season that we were kind of unsure about the goalies. So it's definitely nice, be it Crawford or uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, to have a future Hall of Fame caliber goalie to learn from for a guy like Kevin Lankner. Mm-hmm. Um But, and I'm a, I'm a Fleury fan. I actually have a Fleury jersey. But it screams that the organization has no idea what they're doing because they could have just given that kind of money to Corey Crawford. Like he went to New Jersey for that before he decided to retire. Yeah. I mean, they could have given it to him a year ago, I guess. Well, 
I guess maybe they changed their plans in terms of uh, long-term approaches. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to defend. I don't want to defend it because I don't think you're wrong, Mill. But well, I just am saying in that regard that I don't think that they have any long-term future plan. Like we're all saying, oh, this could happen or this. It's like I don't even know what they're thinking. So we'll yeah. see what yeah. happens. Yeah, their their booking is not nearly as good as AEW's. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, there we go. There it join is. Dark, join Dark Order. But uh, join Dark Order. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, but I'll just say that in the immediate future, I think I'm amongst, uh, I can speak for all of us, where we all enjoy Marc-Andre Fleury as a player and, a, and seemingly a person from what we know. And uh, uh, we're happy to have him and to watch him. He's a great athlete, and hopefully he'll be good for the team. Yeah, I, I was going to actually get to that point, Mills. I Again, these are pro athletes. We don't know them. We I've never met them. I've never hung out with them. So you don't really know them. But right. as much as I, Mark andre Fleury has been around for almost – for at least 15 years now. And I've like – he's by and large seemed like an enjoyable person. And he seems like he genuinely enjoys playing hockey. And he's an easy person to cheer for. And the fact that he's in Chicago, I thought that was pretty cool. Like I remember on the – one of the road to the winter classic behind the scenes or 24 seven, whichever one the penguins were on. I watched every episode and came away from it really liking Mark Andre Fleury. So uh, the fact that he's in Chicago, I guess it's fun to have a guy that you can cheer for. Yeah. And you know, uh, because I have such a strong Pittsburgh connection with friends and family there, they all still love him. Uh, I went to Hawks pens in November of 19. So it was like uh, a long time ago, but recent enough because of COVID and, uh, <laughs> right. I uh, like to go to a game and that building was even with having Crosby and all these guys, they still plenty of 29 shirts in that building. So uh, that's, you know, something we can be happy about. Yeah. I actually, I had a friend from college. He's from the Pittsburgh area and I texted him as soon as it was made official. And like, the first thing he said is uh, I'd love to have him back. Uh, he's, he's about as enjoyable as you can get with a pro athlete. So, so that doesn't suck, especially given, given all the other stuff going on with the Hawks these days. Uh, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah, again, in, in like a cult of personality or a, a dearth on it in the NH in the in a dearth of the NHL. Flurry's got a lot of personality, and it's it's a really good one. Yeah. So um, I just my I hope he plays as well as he did last season in the upcoming season in Chicago. That's about uh. He's got his work cut out for him. He does. It's uh, that's again. That's always the uh, that's always the. The caveat you have to issue with any Blackhawks goaltending discussion is God knows what they're going to be getting in front of him. And that is actually the perfect segue for the next player we wanted to talk about, which is Jake McCabe from the Buffalo Sabres, who the more and more I read about him, the more and more it seems like the Hawks got a just like a sneaky good pickup. Like, I don't want to put him in the Johnny Oduya category, but when the Hawks made that trade, I felt like it was kind of a shrug of the shoulders and he and Yalmerson got put together and they were awesome for the next three to four years. I don't want to say he's going to be that, but I think that's just kind of the idea of a move that went under the radar, which could have significant more uh, benefit than was initially realized. So I don't know who else has the burning Jake McCabe thoughts. Uh, I I've looked at a lot of the fancy stats. A lot of the uh, analytics give him pretty good reviews. He did only play 13 games last season because of an injury. Yeah. Um, and he's, he swears that he's going to be back a uh, back up to hundred percent this year. So uh, I don't, and if anybody's got uh, Jake McCabe thoughts, have Adam. Underrated good defenseman, but I think uh, LBR you're writing the McCabe piece, right? Yep. Um, 
and he's very, he was well-liked in Buffalo. Um, I, like I, I think I've said this before, but, um, in the South, there's not a lot of people who, you know, watch hockey. Um, and in my office, there was only one person and he was a Buffalo Sabres fan. And when he traded, um, we have like a slack of people cause he doesn't, he doesn't actually work with us anymore, but, um, it's like a alumni of people <laughs> lost in our department. And he immediately hit me up and he was like, Oh, such a steal. You know, you're going to like him. Um, and he's not a meatball at all. Like, like as a fan doesn't like love guys that just hit, but he's like, you'll like him because when he hits, it's meaningful, you know, like he does it often, but it's in a way it's rarely in a way that's not for purpose. Um, and I was like, Oh, that would be so, you know, nice to see for a change. Um, (laughs) Hint, hint. Is, is, is there a certain player you're referencing in this? We, he, he doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> that's, that's right. He's gone. He's not even in the division anymore. Yeah. Can, I, peace I, out. So um, I'm excited for him. Uh, he It's interesting because he's a defensive defenseman, but from what I can read from um, his underlying microstats, he's got a really good first pass. Um, he helps drive play, even though he doesn't get a, like, a lot of um, points. He gets, he gets around the like maybe he'll get hit like 20, 25 points, maybe um, if he plays a full season, which again is something he hasn't done since I want to say it was the 16, 17 season. He, he um, played so he 66 does, games in 19 and in, in 19, 20, which was the pandemic shortened one where two, oh, okay. so he did 70. So pretty good. that was okay. pretty good. Yeah. But uh, you know, he's not going to put up a lot of points, but he apparently helps drive offensive play. Like he's not useless there, which is, uh, I was, I mentioned that Jalmerson's like, was like that. He was really good at driving play, good passing, you know, that kind of thing to get plays to the other end. If, even if he didn't ultimately get points out of it. So good defensive and play driving, I'll take it. Yeah. You don't like he's not going to be the guy that leads the rush and makes two or three passes that result in the goal. But no. it sounds like he's the guy that can at least like when the Hawks would hemmed in their own end for like 45, 60 seconds at a time, he's the guy that will be in the right position to corral the puck, get it to a teammate so they can get the hell out of their own end. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to make the comparison because it's not an exact comparison, but a guy like him can sort of do the things Seabrook used to do where he can rotate over and, and knock his guy off the puck he can make that stretch pass, but he's going to succeed a lot more when they put the kibosh to this hybrid system. <laughs> I, bet, I was waiting. I was waiting for the word system to come up at some point. Well, I knew it well, would. Well, only because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if, if he rotates over to the sideboard, you know, to make a hit on, on his man, who is his man and, and the puck gets by him and there's nobody in the slot. It's like, goodbye. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's that Keith would use, you know, Seabrook and Keith used to do that all the time. Keith would rotate over, protect the slot, you know, and and that's great. But I, I think he's going to be a, a nice, uh, a very nice upgrade over um, uh, the – He shall not be named. He shall not be named. I was going to say like Darko Milicic. I think this will be a good season to show because, you know, arguably you've got Murphy who's a – we know is a good defenseman. You, you've got McCabe, who's a good defenseman. You've got Seth Jones, who you hope will be a good defenseman. Um, there are people who argue he's great. If DeHaan's still here, and then you've got some kids that are that look solid, 
this will be a good year to see if, because people are always going, well, college and systems never really had a full, well, this is the year they will, won't they? Yeah. So, like, yeah. The defensive talent here does not look that bad. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's some players here, like you're saying. And I've, you know, we've always been arguing that players that were good defensively somewhere else that now look kind of like iffy, like Dehan. sometimes you're like, what are you doing? And it's like, no, it's the system or even Taves before that you're like, or Saad, you know, we both, we all knew that they were good and then stuff would happen. And you're like, but why? Cause the system. So this will be the proof. Um, there's no personnel excuses here now. Well, I don't, I don't blame the system for Keith. I blame that. I think he no. hates Jeremy Collins. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the, I, I legitimately the, think so. That's why I didn't yeah. mention, that's why I didn't mention Keith. Cause we, we know what's up. <laughs> the problem the problem with the defensive system may now be that there's no room for kids because the bottom pairing might be Caleb Jones, Riley Stillman. And that's a I, it it seems like to me like a very real possibility that that's the third pairing to start. I mean, to be fair, both of them are still. Yes, they still, yes but Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Bodan have have higher ceilings than inarguably either of the two. Yeah, but I, I would argue that last year they did. Mitchell definitely hit a wall. Um and some of that, I, I, I think, is because he couldn't adapt to this. Okay, we're going to stop saying the word system. Or there needs to be a meme for Colleton where it's like, is great with young guys, does not dress young guys. <laughs> it's like the Q narrative, except true. Actually true. <laughs> um, everything they thought about Q. They need to have like they need to bring back the real world, but make it like Colleton and Quenville and Stan Bowman, and like all of them have to live together in like a room. And we lock that room, and, and, yeah. we lo- and we lock that room from the outside, and yeah. we don't have to worry about that moment ever again. And then just leave. Yes. <laughs> uh, join Dark. No, I, 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 I said I said it was going to start getting sideways, and here we are. Um, but but yeah, like I, I, I every time I look at the the blue line, like I may not see like a clear cut number one, but like I think you can get three distant pairings out of that group. Like just on paper, at least. And I feel like you're going to see a lot of Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy in the last minute of a game. That'll be your like shutdown last minute pairing. But God willing. <laughs> yeah. better, better I mean, they'll than, have to have a lead to have to shut it down. But remember the Zadorov Murphy shutdown pairing? <laughs> no, you see, you said the word, Mill. I don't care. <laughs> to help. Yes, but, now, but now he knows your location. Yeah, if you say uh, it two more times, he'll appear behind you. <laughs> Dude, I have I have Man I have Horcruxes for this <laughs> to protect me from being killed by by a large Russian defenseman. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I'm trying to think if there's uh, anything else. Oh, I guess the the other guy we could talk on, who's about the farthest you can get away from the large Russian defenseman, is Tyler <laughs> Johnson, who's a small American forward. Very small. He's American, right? Yeah, yeah I, okay. I think so. Yeah. Undrafted, great in the uh, great in college. Yeah, he's from uh, Spokane, Washington. So there I you think, go. Yeah. I think Betsy and I both talked about uh, how he was probably on pace to be a better like uh, scoring threat if he didn't break his wrist. Yeah, but that's, he's still good. Like he's and, still and Betsy, that's exactly line. what I wanted Betsy to elaborate on because it seemed like that was kind of the turning point of his career. Unfortunately, so he, he technically had a couple more seasons of good offense after that like high offense but you could tell watching him that he was not he wasn't scoring in the same way or passing the same way 
Um, and with natural age decline, cause you know, he's getting up there too. Uh, they just all started hitting him in the like last couple of years, like last season and the season before that. And it's not that he's not still productive cause he's still putting up, you know, he could put up a solid 40, 45 points given the right line mates and situation. I'm sure. Um, just from hard work, he's like a really hard worker. You know, he's like, he always is going to hustle. Um, and he still has High the, energy guy. Yeah. And he still has the offensive instinct so he could get to where he needs to be for tap-ins and stuff like that. He's just not doing as many fancy backhands or, um, he used to do a really, really nice backhand pass, um, saucer pass that was, you know, it's not something you usually see from an undrafted kid. Um, but after his wrist, it just, he couldn't do it anymore. Really. Um, he's just, it's the, what you see on the ice just doesn't match with his contract. That's the only problem with him. That's, you Who's know, does? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, McKinnon? you're right. I mean, you're right. Well, no, I mean on the Hawks. <laughs> oh no. Okay. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Like he's, a, Murphy's. Uh, but I guess like, uh, that's fair, but I guess, um, I would just add, like, a lot of people in the comments were trying to compare him who hadn't watched him to, like, Kruger or Camp, and it's like, he is not that type of center. Okay, I will take the blame for this. I think this was my fault because when I when they first got him, I said um, he was – I said that they the Lightning used him like Kruger in a comment because he was the 4C during the – Yeah, period. yeah, sure. And sure. everybody ran with it like, oh, he's Kruger. And I was like, no, no, I meant they used him as a shutdown center because they had the um, – Luxury. The, the NHL All Star team. They had enough yeah. talent on the three lines above him that they could put him on the fourth line. Yeah, I, the Hawks like, don't have that. Yeah, that's Not like in, when we were putting Marion Hosa on the third line. You know, like yeah, he's kind of a land of misfit toys, guys. Where he can pretty much play on any line depending on the situation and team. Uh, but I kind of want to see him play with Strom if Strom's going to play on the wing. If Strom's going to play in Chicago. I, well, Bowman came I out and said the other day they're not making any more moves. They're good on the cap. How? I don't know. But I hope they keep Strom. I actually hope they keep DeHaan, too, because I think that top four would be pretty nice. I mean, that's, that's not, not a you bad don't, you don't, Go ahead, Shepard, quickly. You don't want to know why why uh, they're good on the cap because it's uh, it's, a, it's a certain number 19. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. I, mean, I don't think that's... I'll, I'll, I'll worry about that in late September. We'll, we'll see, but I just mean like uh, assuming Strom plays, that's who I'd like to see him play with Strom on the wing. Because I'm just assuming Strom's going to stay and be on the wing because they just gave up on him at center. They're like, fuck this. I was like, okay. I, I, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I'm advocating trading Strom. It's just I always – it seemed like he was going to be expendable just the way the Hawks have kind of dealt handled him it's in the see- last year or two. Well, yeah, and every single person I wrote a recap on for the season got traded besides him. All right, well. Uh, so well, that was like the first one I wrote. No, first four. Yeah, so it's just like, what the hell, man? Yeah, remind me that next April if, uh, if, that, if, that, if we get to that point. Yeah. All right, well, there's, there's one other guy that, we want, that the Blackhawks acquired who's been kind of talked about a little bit. We might touch on him a little bit more and a few other things, but we're going to do that on the other side of this timeout. So come on back for that. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, we want to talk about one more guy that the Blackhawks acquired that uh, I'm sure everyone's already sick of hearing about him. And you guys all know it's Jujar Kyra, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's who That's who we meant? No? Yeah. Did, did totally I, who we, it, that's totally who we meant. It's pronounced Kyra, not Kara, correct? I, I didn't Kyra. say that right? We are going to learn... <laughs> I mean, every time I watch the the broadcast for the Oilers, they say Kyra. Okay, well, hopefully they're correct. I'm I'm gonna look at the pronunciation guy. And Shepard had some. We were talking about him off air briefly, where I said maybe he's just like another Brandon Bowling, but apparently I that's significantly insulting to him. So uh, Shepard, tell tell the people why I'm wrong. Well, yeah, he's he's somebody who's actually able to play with some talent. Uh, unlike Brendan Bullock, he <laughs> played with Ryan Newton Hopkins and did so well. Like he moves the puck well. He's they've they've used a, a phrase meatball city. Uh, he's a little bit like he, he he likes to go for hits. They're mostly more effective than hits we were used to last season. Um, think of him like a taller Shaw, maybe that he's got some skill to his game. He's got some pro- ten- tenacity. Can he skate? He that is yes, my, that can, is that's can, all my that's my can, question yes. with big guys these days is they have to be able to skate and also he according to the Blackhawks website it is Kara not Kyra so it's he can, he can, Kara he can move to uh, a little yeah. bit for a big guy yeah he can move yeah so think of him like Shaw he can play up and down the lineup uh, although you would prefer him to be deeper in the lineup um, but he, if he's a guy who plays every game you don't mind that. Yeah, I was going to say from the micro tracking stats, um, some people had asked me, well, how does he compare to Kempf? And I was like, well, his transition stats, his actual like carry in and his attempts at it aren't as high or as successful, but he's way better at fetching the puck. So he's better at dump and chase, which is a viable way to gain possession if you're really good at it. Um, So if he's really good at it and his line mates are, then... That's ex- well, the Blackhawks aren't haven't been traditionally great at that, so that's not Shaw was. So <laughs> that comparison continues to be apt. It does seem like the Hawks have a lot of guys who are fourth liners. I mean, may, I mean, maybe some of these guys end up in Rockford. Obviously, like I, I, I assume Mike Hardman's going to be in Rockford. I guess Mackenzie Entwistle is going to be heading to Rockford this season. Um, but I mean, Carpenter's a fourth liner. Care is a fourth liner. Who was the first right. person? Uh, Hardman. No, like of those, he's going to be in Rockford, and then and then Entwistle will be in Rockford. We said Ryan Carpenter's a fourth liner. Oh, Brett, yeah. Brett Connolly's probably a fourth liner. Connolly's probably not a third play. liner. Connolly yeah. can play. <laughs> I don't want him to play because he should go away. I want Connolly to play on the third line. Put him with Strom and uh, Tyler Johnson. They're going to score a bunch of bum goals. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. And then where where are you putting Lucas Reichel? Assuming he's here, uh, he's not ready. He's twelve. 
He's <laughs> 12. Okay. That's fair. Um, when, yeah, it, when right. there's a coach that can give him adult supervision, we'll bring him up. <laughs> yeah, next season, next season when the coach is Rocky Thompson, will be good. You mean like <laughs> 10, 10 games into the season when it's somebody else? I hope. I don't know if I want Mark Crawford working with rookies. Colleton's not going to get 86 unless they go on some kind of like 1 9 and 1 skid. Well, um, they're not that bad now. That's the problem. The roster is going to outplay them for like mediocrity. That was the I mean, there last were, year. I mean, yeah, there were literally people that were like, should Colleton get the Jack Adams last year when Lincoln and went? <laughs> oh, I do remember. <laughs> he got I remember votes. He got game. votes. I know. He got, he got Jack Adams votes. Therapy, and everybody was like, no. Stop. The Jack Ass Award is what he should have got. Um, I will say, like, if we get to, if we get to like Thanksgiving. And the Hawks are like 10, 5, and 3. But we like look at the numbers and it's because Flurry's thrown out a 950 and they're getting destroyed in every possession metric. But the power play goes off for a month. It's like it'll be the exact same story as last season <laughs> and the season yeah, I mean, before that. And then say. it'll all go to shit by Valentine's Day and we'll be back in the same place we were. Q got, Q got all like my optimism out. just went right out the damn window because that <laughs> seems so. That seems like it's going to happen. Like it, it seems too real because it's happened the last two or three seasons already. I would yes, be interesting to see if, if even if it's just a mediocre start, if it's just because Q got let go after 15 games, going six, six, and three. You that know, that was because John and, McDonough didn't want to get fired. <laughs> well, and then that, well, maybe Bowman doesn't want to be fired because he's going on a few seasons now. I mean, yeah, I'm convinced Jack Bowman did. can't get fired. I think he. I think eventually he's got more. Crux, I think he's got he more Horcruxes than me. <laughs> I mean, they fired Dennis Savard after a game he won. So yeah, but Dennis Savard was like a placeholder until they got good anyways. Well, <laughs> yeah. Did, well, but it's different. Like the, the problem is, I don't know if they're good yet. That's true. Well, yeah, we don't know if they're good. We'll never. <laughs> uh, speaking of guys that we don't know how good they are, Seth Jones. That's the player uh, I actually wanted to touch on because we did we did talk about him a lot last week and he has been talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks and uh, I'm not completely exhausted of that of that whole narrative but I'm, I'm approaching it but I just wanted to make sure if there's any other Seth Jones thoughts that Mill Betsy or Shepard if any of you had and wanted to share with the class um, just want to make sure we haven't missed anything so any any other burning Seth Jones opinions. I've said my piece. He's yeah. a number. He's he's a number three defenseman. He's a, you know, that's getting paid like a number one. And I I am growing. I have made up. I made up my mind. The last time I said I couldn't make up my mind whether the trade was worse or the contract was worse. I think enough people that are that are smart and I trust have said that he would have gotten that contract from somewhere. That it it's fine if they like. Arguably, the Blackhawks would have just have signed him to that same deal just seven years instead this offseason when he's a free agent. Yeah. Well, fine, yeah, fine. <laughs> but here's the bad thing. Again, again, watching, looking at the photos from Alex DeBrincat's wedding over the last weekend, Adam Boquist was a key part of that. That's a really bad trade. Why did you do that? Why did well, you give Alex, up? Uh, yeah, Adam, he got Adam. he got invited to that way before he got yeah. traded. Yes, but it's also he seems like a key piece of like the locker room. I mean, and, like, I think, think Boquist was actually in the party. Like he was one of the groomsmen. Yeah. Like Adam Boquist was like a good person to well, yeah. be around, arguably. And like well, they both, I, I still don't get again, 
I still think he's a better defensive than Seth Jones, and he's not that like, the Blackhawks would never have had to pay him. The Seth I'm not. Jones I'm not. I'm not going to grant you that Boquist is better than Seth Jones right now. Beth, Boquist has been better both of mm. the seasons he's mm. been in the NHL. Than yeah, Seth by, Jones. by 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 analytics, I, situationally. But what? Did yes, and that's what matters. Mean? Analytics but, matters. Okay, the best it, team in the league, the la- analytically, the last few seasons has been the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, but does his, do his, do his numbers matter that much when he's when when the team didn't do shit like comparing them? Both of them played on garbage teams. Yeah, I would say that Columbus is a little bit better. It was a little bit better than than Chicago, which means that Boquist put up better oh. numbers on a worse team. I got a good I got a good look at Columbus last season. They sucked pretty hard too. And what about the ice time? Yeah, I was about to say. I think te- technically Boquist was like he got mostly offensive zone starts. He didn't have nearly as much. Like faces higher quality of competition that tends to even and, out. And, and oh, and you're you're, you're going to say that Seth Jones, who played with argu- inarguably that his team's best defenseman in Zach Wierenski, versus yeah, playing with, Duncan, with play, versus playing with Duncan Keith. I'm sorry, 37 year old Duncan Keith. There's a huge difference between Zach Wierenski and Duncan Keith. We not- all agree with that. We're just saying that we have to kind of like you know. I, I, I can't actually, make up I, my mind till I watch him. I think Boquist is going to be better. Like they're going on different trajectories, but I mean, at this point, Seth Jones is here. We just gotta like accept it and hope he does well. You kind of just have to hope. Yeah, and like, there's not a lot you can do. Seth, <laughs> Seth Jones, I wanna... if he proves to be a number th- like worthy of a number three defenseman role, that's good. Like, I'll is it I'll, is it good. because then then I'll we're take... back we're, then we're back where we started with Brent Seabrook. I actually don't. Like, Seabrook wasn't a number th- like Seabrook was barely a six. If Seth it, Jones plays like worthy of second pairing, like a second pairing role, I'll, I'll I can live with it. I won't like it because he's getting paid like a number one guy. But I mean, it's it's better than it's better than contributions you would have gotten from us. I, and I think that's where I've start. I've come around. I, I still don't like the trade, but I, I I I think I said this last week. Like I softened on how much I disliked it because, like Seth Jones, at minimum, is a worthwhile competent NHL defenseman. He may not be Duncan Keith in his prime. He may not be Zach Wierenski, but he's still going to be at minimum decent. Yeah. And I, and they, they didn't have enough decent defensemen last season. So their arguments say he might not be actually decent. So that's, that's Shepard's point. I, I, I think that's a valid possibility. He might not be decent. There were times in Columbus, there's a reason his numbers are so bad, that he was not decent. All the rest of the top four guys were still putting up good numbers. And when you watch, you could see why some of his numbers were like trash. Um, I think he's better than his analytics have shown the last two seasons. I just don't know if he's anywhere near what he was before. I will still hate the trade, even if he is a competent number three, not because of the cap hit because i try i try really hard not to pay attention to cap hits it'll be because of what they they gave up because they could have had a boquist they could have had cylinder uh cylinder and then they could have had whoever they're going to get next year because i think the blackhawks will be just good enough not to get a lottery pick or something like that but not good enough to go very far but at this point we have to try real hard just to separate yeah you you, hope he does well as, maybe as clean of a like, slate as possible. Yeah, maybe he clicks really well with uh, McCabe or something like that, and they're just rock stars together. You have to hope that he can at least be a two, because I don't think any of the players on the team right now are a true number one. I don't think there's that many teams that do have a true number one. 
Um, yeah. You just have to hope that they can do it by committee. Yeah, there's only so many Victor Hedmans in the NHL. Um, oh. But I told, <laughs> I understand Shepard's frustration because man, those numbers. He he did look bad, and his numbers are trash. Yeah. I, I I I would not have been as opposed to this trade if they was for an actual number one. It was just it's not, and it's never going. It, I don't think he's ever going to be back to a number one. Yeah, I, well, and I I, 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 I got, I've already accepted the fact that his contract is going to be killer, but uh, and it's only going to get worse as the years go on, and it's just the it's the Brent Seabrook conversation all over again. But but it's it's the, it's the next GM's he, problem. The hope is that he's 26 years old and that for the next three to four years, well, something 27. close. You, okay, 27. I'm looking at the J Fresh hockey player card. I mean, he's literally going to be 27 in like a month. That's okay. So either people way. Kept going, people kept going, oh, he's only 26. And I was like, I mean, by like. Uh, now like, we're I, getting into semantics. <laughs> no, it's just that when you're talking about contract year, when something's coming up, because he's never, he's not going to be a 26 year old defenseman when he plays for the Blackhawks. Right, right. But yeah, just just the point is like if you can get like at least get like three or four years of of pretty good hockey out of him, or like like average to above average, maybe even good hockey out of him. Um, and then we'll just they'll he'll get some mysterious illness, they'll LTI arm, and then it'll be gone because that's how this works. Yeah, except he's not going to do that at thirty-one. Oh, which is oh, the problem. Shepard, ye of little faith. I'm sure the Blackhawks can find. There's no team that knows how to circumvent this salary cap better than the Chicago Blackhawks. I'd Tampa argue a few teams. Tampa Bay, might, Tampa Bay, Toronto, <laughs> Vegas. Vegas is starting to get there a little bit. I mean, well, you, all right. The Hawks invented cap circumvention. Can I can I work on that one? Using they LTIR? Were, they were the first ones to do it successfully to win a cup. There, all right. There <laughs> and we then go. Tampa, Tampa was like, we're going to cheat off you, but then just do even better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then my favorite part was that these uh, cap circumvention champions teamed up for the Tyler Johnson trade in the offseason. I thought that was very fitting. Uh, for a cap circumvention trade. Well, the one I, thing we Red Seabrook, Tampa Bay Lightning legend. <laughs> The one thing we can say about Jones before I just want to get this out is is a lot more pressure to play in Chicago, especially for that contract. So if he does really suck as bad as we're saying he might suck, he's going to get booed out of the building. Well, actually, Mel, I don't know why I said that so loudly, but I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm intrigued to see what happens. Well, first off, hopefully like there was going to be full attendance at the start of the season. It's not right now as we're talking in the first week of August, it's not looking (laughs) so great about that. For indoor sports, at least. But anyway, um, I, I I know a couple of people that were on the season ticket waiting list for the Blackhawks. Who, and like me, who declined them? <laughs> no, but they're getting calls and texts from me the Blackhawks ticket people saying, do you want season tickets? And they said that's the first time that's happened since they've been on that list, which yeah. was like allegedly like a couple years deep. Uh, that's how long the line was. You're going to have to wait a few years. And now all of a sudden they're calling people. Like yeah, it, it was more than one, it's, it's been more than one incident. So I'm starting to think like, I, like they've been not good for four or five seasons now. I'm sure the first week or two, like the buzz of having of being able to go to a Hawks game will be back. But then after that, like once we get into like you know them Tuesday night games in November, like I wonder how many people are going to be at those games. Mine came up last year, and that was the first time they called me since uh, God. I don't know. It's like ten years, and. Uh, I even got to pick my seats and then I told them I'm not giving you that money this year. I'm not paying for it because there's no fans. Right. Because it's it's very expensive. Two seats and three twenty nine were like fifty six hundred bucks. 
And oh, uh, and then they called me this year, and I'm like, I'm not giving you a dime until you clear this front office stuff up. It's great. I mean, seriously, they called me. My phone said Blackhawks. Oh. And then they emailed me when I didn't pick up. Well, did you think they were calling you for a player tryout? <laughs> I mean, if you think Seth Jones analytics are bad, you don't want to see mine. <laughs> yeah, but can you skate, Mel? That's all that matters. Uh, can you skate? Uh, better than Nikita Zadorov, maybe? No, I'm just wow. kidding. Honestly, not, not anymore. I don't go regularly. Okay, well. I'm too fat these days, Dave. Uh, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> Um, so I guess, I guess that's all the Blackhawks talk. Uh, I guess the only other thing that's come out in the last week is that, uh, they announced there was an internal memo that wasn't that internal because everybody in the media got it, that the Blackhawks are committed to releasing the findings from their internal investigation to the public. Um, I guess we'll see if they stick to that pledge when the investigation's done. I have not seen any sort of indication about a timeline for that. My get, I like. I feel like they're going to try and wrap it up before the season starts, but who knows? Um, so I guess just stay tuned on that front. And, and any other burning thoughts on that one? I, I got nothing. Uh, hopefully, they do what they're supposed to do. Fire everybody from 2010. <laughs> I I'm one of those people that likes to say, "Hey, you need to get all the facts out there," um, and I hope we get at least enough so we can like try to judge. I just it's still really hard to take an investigation that's paid for by the Blackhawks yes. like at face value. And for a while there, they, they weren't even committing to it going public. And then the wording of the internal memo didn't say all of it would be public or, you know, as much as they actually can, cause some of it's going to have to be sensitive and censored and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They just kind of, they kind of made it so that the like end result would be, Um, so what's going public might not actually be what we're thinking about. Um, so I think a lot of like opinions will need to be gauged on that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I just, people get real like irritable about anybody making up their mind, yay or nay (laughs) so far. And I'm like, if people want to make up their mind already, let them, if people want to wait, let them, if people want to try to be neutral, let them just like. (laughs) Stop getting so hot about other people's opinions yeah. about it. I, I think my just overall feeling is with this whole situation is that however it ends up, you're just going to feel on just like unsatisfied. And empties the uh, what'd you say, Mel Shepard? Unsat unsatisfied. Yeah, I think unsatisfied is a good word for it. Just like whatever, it's just going to be you're going to be left uh, expecting more from. That that's just my that's just the the feeling because that's that's how it always seems to happen with professional sports and things. Yeah, of this we're, nature, especially we're, hockey. It's just, we're, we're all cynical here. We're yeah. all like, yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not thinking it's going to be. I from the start, I was like, I don't think they're. I don't think anything's going to come of this where they're going to fire people. But we'll uh, we'll see where it goes and uh, stay tuned on that because um, I'm sure there's more to come. I'm sure Rick Westhead will have another report within two or three days. He's been a little quiet, so I'm sure something's about to come out. He's probably waiting for something like the Blackhawks to announce something so he can then be like, boom. Cause that's, that feels like, that's like what happened last time. He waited for all the like free agency stuff kind of to die down and then him go, ha ha. <laughs> the next part. Uh, I do not have um, 
I have not listened to the podcast before, but apparently Rick Westhead was on the Steve Dangle podcast today, which today being Wednesday night. So uh, I think I might have to check out that episode because apparently they talk a lot about the Blackhawks things. So if uh, after you finish listening to this podcast, of course, check out that one as well. Um, so, yeah, so we got all cynical and weird and talking about serious topics. So let's make an awkward transition to uh, the usual silliness that entails the end of our episodes with a food take. Mill, it's your turn. I know you said that you were a little unsure if you had one. Uh, have you come to an opinion to share with the class? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I, I okay. ran out of I, I ran out of food takes, and I'm trying to think of one. But the problem is, I don't think I have anything that's a hot take, and I hate to do that to you guys because I can talk about literally anything else. Okay, I what I, I I told you I had a backup plan, and I don't know if this qual this probably will not qualify as a hot take, but I would like to get this out into the public because it's been on my mind recently that. Uh, I think Greek food is wildly underrated. Oh yeah, I like. I feel like in the in the Chicagoland area, like if, it feels like there's Mexican food on every corner. Probably because there's a lot of people from Mexico in this area, so that gets a lot of play and it's very good. And I don't want to besmirch that because it's all wonderful. But um, every time I have Greek food, I think, why don't I have this more often? So yeah, there you go. there's. That's, that's my of, deep burning hot take. Eat more Greek food. There's a lot of Greek restaurants in the region too. I that there are, and I'm 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 beginning to explore, which is the reason why this take came out. I think when you're in the right mood, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't like I, that much. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think it's definitely like it's not a main staple of a lot of diets, uh, but like Unless there's it's a the lot Mediterranean of diet. Yeah, it probably true. should. It probably should be. That's my diet, honestly. <laughs> so it, it fits in for me. But like the, if you follow it strictly, it's pretty healthy. Like I, yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of, lot of Greek dishes are like. There's a lot of like freshly cooked meats and greens and stuff in there. Yes. So it's not like. And it, I, I feel like there's like like the thing with Italian food. I feel like it, whenever you eat Italian food, is you have to eat all of it. And I <laughs> feel like with Greek food, the, the it just seems to be a healthier portion for some reason. Well, they do like family yeah. style a lot too. So you can yeah. just kind of take as much as you want, but you don't have to get like the biggest plate ever. Yeah, yes, you do, Mel. If you're if you're at an Italian restaurant, you do. Well, no, like no, I'm talking about at a Greek restaurant. Okay, like, I got you. They usually bring it out like family style. Sometimes you can order it that way. So like okay. if if you're having the same thing with somebody else, and then if you fill your plate and you eat it, and you want more, you just take more, but you don't have to get stuck with like a a ton if you don't want to. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's portion control, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's overrated. I, maybe it's because there's, I don't know that many great Greek restaurants in like the Atlanta area. And that's I was not, just about to ask how the Greek food is down there. <laughs> and then I, I'm like sitting there thinking like when I travel in the U.S., I don't, uh, Greek's not one of the places that I go to normally. I've been to Greece and the food there was delicious. Um, and I loved it the entire time. Um, and no, But nothing I've ever had in the U.S., has compared to that versus say like I've been to Italy too. And while food there obviously was phenomenal, I have had it, Italian food that's just as good um, in the U S same thing with like French and, and some other places. But I, I know my favorite food that I've had um, that was in Greece that I kept 
I loved was um, their stuffed grape leaves. It had um, like lamb and rice in it. It was like an appetizer, I want to say, but I kept ordering. Yeah, we make we make stuff like that. Uh, Serbs do too. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's so good. And I just was like, I would never have thought to be like, yeah, wrap my shit in a leaf and give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> like like a random leaf. Like a great So the main thing I'm getting out of this conversation is I need about four or five days in Santorini to uh, really <laughs> take in the, take in the, the cuisine. Or... I need to eat more Greek food and like find better places that have Greek food because Greek town Chicago when you come is awesome. I like, mean, there's yeah, all there's kind of places. There, there's a fair amount of Greek presence in the Chicagoland area that there's. I I, I can't call it. I, I couldn't say authentic because I wouldn't know the difference, but I mean, it's pretty. It seems pretty good. I I enjoy the hell out of it. There was a Greek fest a couple weeks ago, and I didn't go, and I immediately regret that I did not go. Maybe it's because I don't like, like, there's a lot of yogurt in Greek food, and I'm not really big on yogurt-based things. That seems to be a staple in a lot of, (laughs) they're always like, let me throw some white stuff on that. And I'm like, uh. I I mean, this is tzatziki sauce. Which is fine. It's just not my (laughs) favorite. You can order so much. Greek Islands is the place I recommend uh, in Chicago. It's like, it's the bomb.com. I'm bringing that back. Okay, no. that's going to be my new second city. <laughs> we name. we opened we opened with talking about Woodstock '99, and now you're bringing back phrases from 1999. I mean, what's up? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, <laughs> sorry, office just popped into my head. I think I think that's a perfect place to dismount, uh, get off this beam, and and then end this episode. Uh, any final thoughts from the panel? from this here episode uh go go get some greek food yeah go get some greek food there we go um but thank you very much for listening to this episode i was actually just before we did this i was looking at like some of the numbers we've had two some of our highest listened episodes so uh i'm not uh so thanks to everyone that's been listening i don't know why you listen to this podcast but i'm glad you do Uh, i hope it's entertaining i hope this one is entertaining as well um we're probably not going to do too many of these episodes in the future. In fact, I wouldn't expect one. Uh, the musings on Madison anytime soon, unless something crazy happens with the Hawks, which uh, kind of hoping it doesn't kind of hoping things go quiet for a while. That'd be, that'd be nice. Uh, th- there might be some deep dish episodes looking into reviving the Friday shows where we interview random people. I've got a few people in mind to talk to. So might have some of those podcast episodes coming your way. We'll have some content at the website. Uh, probably about time for a top 25 under 25 refresher since we haven't done that since uh, the last season started. Um, but other than that, uh, like I said, this is hockey doldrum season. So maybe we'll just start getting weird and writing about uh, Greek food or uh, the weather in Georgia or I don't know, just any other weird stuff we can come up with to keep everyone entertained for the next month. Spoiler, or it's so gross here. Joining Dark Border. I bet. Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, going to yeah. be the deep or, dish next week. Me and Shepard are going to talk it, about Or Shepard and Milk can have their wrestling corner, you know, what what have you. So, um, like I said, there's not going to be a lot, of, a lot of hockey talk, but we'll we'll try and still try and do some things, and um, maybe we'll do a mailbag episode. I don't know. We, we've got some thoughts. We've got some ideas. If you have some ideas, you can tweet us to the uh, Second City Hockey account. That's 2ND City Hockey. You can tweet me, SCH underscore Dave M. Shepard is at Shepard Price. Mill is at Mill182. The website is secondcityhockey.com. Uh, also you could email us secondcityhockey at gmail.com that's all spelled out um but yeah uh 
I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thanks to Betsy Millen Shepard for hanging out. Thanks again to you for listening. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you sometime soon. As always, go Hawks.